the Anzen, I don't know how many of you know that much about our family, but we have seven, thank you so much, Pastor Mark. We have seven children, six biological, one adopted, and we have 15 grandchildren, one on the way, number 16 is on the way. We're so excited. And all of them call that lady Zaza. And she is the delight of their life, and of course, mine as well. We, um, we have been married for 43 years, and what I can tell you, amen. Go ahead and give the Lord praise for that. What I can tell you is that it just gets sweeter and more wonderful every day. And for us to be here together and to have the opportunity every night when we leave these meetings and every um, afternoon when we leave these amazing teachings on Revelation. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Amazing word that we're getting in the morning. And then the opportunity that we have that honestly is, is just one of the very best parts of camp, and that is to be with our dear friends, uh, the deans, and, and also others that are here that have so touched and impacted our lives through the years. It, it's just been wonderful. And I want to tell you that from us personally to you, we are so grateful for your love and for the opportunity to come and to be with you this week. It's been amazing for us. You know, when, uh, when I was asked to receive this offering, I, I got so excited because there's not anything that I enjoy more than talking simply about the mystery of giving. You see, there's not anything you have an opportunity to do in your life that is more, more supernatural and is more spiritually and practically beneficial to you and your family than being a giver. And yet, this is what I know for sure, for absolute sure, I know that the majority, let me say it again, the majority of believers that believe the Bible and love God do not live in the world that so many of us have discovered. That world where you experience the supernatural through your giving. Uh, tonight, I could start in the Old Testament and I could talk to you about offerings. But it would take too long. And besides that, when I got through with my Old Testament teaching about offerings, there would be those of you sitting here who would say, yeah, but we are New Testament people. So I'd rather start in the New Testament with this short teaching. You see, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount addressed the fact that most of the people that he was talking to in that crowd of thousands were reward-centered. 
That is, they believed that if they behaved a certain way and did certain things, that God was going to reward them. Now, some of you are running ahead of me and you're saying, yeah, but Jesus set them straight. No, he actually didn't. He absolutely affirmed their reward-centeredness. This is what he said, and read it for yourself. Let me just, before I say this, address the elephant in the room. Anytime you get together with a lot of religious or born-again people, especially ministers of the gospel, there are those that somehow have morphed into people that believe the theology is for the sake of the theology. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this to you. If you ever get to the place where you think this book has been given to you for the sake of the book, then you've just regressed into the place that the Pharisees occupied. This book is for you. Every line, every promise is for you. It's for your quality of life. It's not only for you to survive, it's for you to thrive. And, and I have watched through the years as some of the greatest criticisms have been leveled against people who have taught that the promises of God are for our benefit. Jesus certainly backed that up. He began to talk in Matthew 7 about giving. Excuse me, I'm sorry, 6, about giving. This is what he said. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. And then this is what he says in warning. He didn't say, you're going to stir up the displeasure of God. You're going to fall under judgment. This is what Jesus said. Now, folks, we've got to not miss this stuff in Scripture. Jesus said, don't do your giving before people to be seen or you will lose the thing you're after. Your reward. Interesting, isn't it? I've heard people say, you don't give to get. Well, according to Jesus, you do. Because the one thing that he didn't want these people to do was to lose what they were after. The reward. And then he goes on to say this. If you give in secret, then this is what I can tell you is going to happen. Number one, the Father is going to see. See, we don't even believe that anymore. That God watches every offering. But that's what Jesus said. And he said when he sees you give in secret, he's going to openly reward you. Isn't that amazing? The Son of God totally missed the theology 
Can you believe Jesus missed that? I mean, you're not supposed to give to get. You don't give to get rewards. What in the world is he talking about? No. He understood the heart of man. Interestingly enough, as you just take a, we'll just take a brief look over our shoulder in the Old Testament. Do you understand you wouldn't have a father of faith if God had not promised him something? Do you think Abraham would have ever done what he did and left his family and his friends and his home and everything familiar if God hadn't said, if you'll do this, I'll give you a boy? I'm just saying. Now, I know you guys are so deep about in all of this. You're trying to find angles now. I can just get around this because I mean, this is kind of messing up what I've taught my people. This is kind of messing up what I've always believed. I've always thought the theology was about the theology. No, the scriptures, my friend, are for people. And they're mystical. If, if, if you think the Bible is all about being practical, you have reduced it to a philosophy of man. The Bible is mystical. Everything about it has the element of the supernatural and the sovereign attached to it. If you don't get that, you don't get anything. Well, and of course, Jacob was an individual that understood you weren't supposed to want anything. Wouldn't have had Jacob, would you? If there hadn't been a birthright. And of course, we wouldn't have had a giant killer if there hadn't have been the opportunity to marry the king's daughter and for his family to pay no taxes and for him to have a royal robe because he asked three times what the reward was before he went to fight the giant. You say, what are you talking about? Are we supposed to be people that are centered on this world and the things that we want. No, 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 no. It's, it's just that our God wants you to be able to eat. Wants your kids to be able to be clothed. Wants you to be able to send them to a good school. God wants you to have your needs met. Listen to this. According to His riches and glory, that's mystical, that's supernatural, that's not practical. But you are not wrong or evil. In fact, you are righteous for making the connection between your everyday life and your giving. Uh, all of the scriptures about giving are mystical. They're all full of mystery and and sovereignty and God doing something that is beyond us in the invisible world. Uh, for instance, this one, Galatians. Don't be deceived. And don't mount God because you're going to reap exactly what you sow. Now, of course, that goes all the way back to the recreation of society, the repopulation of the world after Noah because the word that God gave right there was from this time on the principle upon which everything will exist will be seed time and harvest. And there's this principle 
that you reap exactly what you sow. You know that the only field trip we have record of that Jesus took his disciples on was to the temple to watch the offering. I know all of you have images of Jesus in your mind. Let me give you this one. Jesus calling his guys over. Shh, 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 shh. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Okay, now just, just watch, just watch. That's, that's Brother Isaiah Moneybags there. Let's see what he does. And he gave a big offering. But not one that was large according to his income and to his possessions. In other words, he just gave God a tip. And then the disciples, I'm sure, are distracted. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Watch, 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 watch. See, see the widow. See the, 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 she's dressed in rags. You see her. Look, look, watch, watch what she does. She gives course the smallest denomination of coin that there is and then it's time for the quiz so Jesus turns to the class there on the field trip and he says okay guys who gave the most now I want you to notice his language how many times have we stood before our congregations and say it doesn't matter how much you give that doesn't happen to be the teaching of Jesus It's very important how much they gave. He said, who gave the most? They immediately said, well, money bags did. And they said, no, 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 no. Jesus said, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong there. Because the fact is, he just gave a little bit of what he had. But that woman right there, and this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, she's going to go down in history. That woman, that woman gave all she had. You say, why are you telling us this? Well, if you're bored with it, then that probably means your bills are paid. Congratulations. I'm glad you live well. If this doesn't interest you and you're looking at your watch and hoping that I'll get to the end of this, then that probably means there's no certain need in your life. But let me just tell you this. There are some widows among us that need this message because their only way out is supernatural. And the only supernatural avenue that they have is to get into this mystical, powerful, supernatural flow called giving. Because if they do, God promises that he's going to take care of them. And I've watched it over and over and over and over again. And it has never failed. Hard times are coming, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't noticed the trumpet blast of the armies of famine and lack are at the gate in America. And we better tap into the spiritual principles because we are not going to be kept by our own ways and means and efforts and strength. We are going to be kept because we tap into something supernatural and we understand that God will never forsake the giver in a time of hardship. You say now, Pastor Denny, 
you really believe that you reap exactly what you sow? Yep, I do. Pastor, do you really believe that if you sow love, you reap love? You believe if you sow forgiveness, you reap forgiveness. You believe if you sow patience with somebody else's kid, that God is going to make sure that somebody is patient with your kid. You believe if you put up a college student in that extra bedroom, that someday when your little boy grows up and he's looking for a good price, Somebody's going to give him a good deal too. Believe it. You believe if you sow cars, you're going to get cars? Yep. I just signed a professional football contract. And uh, it was good. I'm telling you. In fact, the World Football League, I had an opportunity to go to the New Orleans Saints in the NFL or Birmingham in this new league that was being formed, and they gave me three times the money that the NFL was going to give me. It was fun having money as a kid. And there was one more bonus that I was going to get by making the 38-man roster. And man, I started praying about that, and I would move it to the top of my prayer list every day. Lord, now you know, I need to make that roster because I need that money. And finally the Lord asked me one day, he said, you don't think I've taken good care of you? And it broke my heart. And I said, God, please forgive me. I said, you've taken great care of me. And I said, Lord, please just give me that bonus. And I won't touch a penny of it. I'll give it all away. I got the bonus. And I immediately did three things. I bought a car, a brand new car, for my mom and dad. My dad had pastored in Shreveport for, since 1958 and drove that new car up into the driveway for the man of God and threw him the keys. Best feeling I ever had. And then I called a friend of mine that was a campus minister at Mississippi State University. He had been a quarterback. I led him to the Lord at Louisiana Tech. And then he went to Mississippi State and played football there and then got off the team and, and became the campus minister there. And man, he was driving this hoopty, this absolute junker. And I bought him a new car. And then there was this missionary guy that had traveled with me for years in ministry by the name of Frank Boston. And, and Frank, I mean, I was worried about him even sitting in that car, much less driving in it. And I bought him a new car. And it was the greatest feeling in the world just to give. When I retired from professional football, walked out of the Washington Redskins camp because God spoke to my heart. It was going to be the easiest gig I'd ever had, I felt, because I was the only young guy in camp. And the only job open at the Washington Redskins was the third quarterback job. You don't get to, in the NFL, 
compete for the first job or the second job if those guys are already established. And when I came into camp, the offensive coordinator said, now Billy Kilmer's got the first job, Joe Theismann's got the second job, and the only job open, Denny, is the third job. And because I was young and not making a lot of money right then, I knew that probably that job was going to be mine. The Lord spoke to me one day and he said, this is your last day. And it didn't disappoint me, it exhilarated me. Because ministry and football had always been intertwined for me. And I had only played football as a platform to be able to preach to lost people. And so I went into Coach George Allen and I left. And I walked across the street there in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where we had our training camp. I sat in a little sports car that I had bought previously. And I took a big, long breath and deep breath. And I just stood there and I prayed this prayer. I said... God, this season is over, and I'm no longer going to have the platform as a player to be able to share the gospel in that way. I said, but as I preach the gospel, I pray that you will put me in a position to influence others that have that platform. With that, I turned the ignition. I went home to Shreveport, Louisiana. I gave that little sports car to my dad, and he just got hooked on it. I mean, the, the patriarch, the pastor. He's zipping around town in that little Z. I mean, he, he loved it. And I think he had two more after that that he bought. But, you know, he liked, that, he liked that little sports car. And the first meeting I went to was in Houston, Texas. And I uh, got up to preach that night, and there was a man that was sitting right there. If, if I would have been preaching here, he would have been sitting right there. And he was leaning on a cane, and he was dressed to the nines. Older gentleman. When I finished, he came forward. He obviously was impaired as far as his walking was concerned. He limped up, and he said, first question, what are you driving? I said, well, I'm not driving anything. I said, I'm now in evangelism. I said, I fly most of the places that I fly. I gave my car away, and I'm in the church van out there. I said, but it's cool because I don't need a car. He looked at me and didn't even respond to what I said. He said, follow me. And just walked off. You know, I'm new in this church. It's my first night. I'm not going to offend any of the people. So I follow this man. We go out into the parking lot. He goes to the passenger side of a gorgeous, brand new, still smells like new, Coupe DeVille Cadillac. He opens the door. He cleans out a few things from the glove compartment because he'd only had it like three days. And then he turned and handed me the keys. He said, that's your car. I said, mister, I'm not taking your car. He said, oh, yeah, you are. And he said, what God wants you to hear is this, is that he never forgets what you do. And he said, you're always going to go in style. Folks, I don't, do you understand how long ago it was when I, since I played football? May I tell you something? I'm still driving free cars that God never, ever forgot. I never asked Him for it. But when you put the seed in the ground, you don't have to ask, Oh God, I just pray that this peach seed that I have in the ground becomes a peach tree. Lord, please let it be a peach tree this time. Please, God. Oh, I plead the blood. I pray that it'll be. No, you don't.
have to pray because the seed itself has life in it. And what I'm going to tell you is this. You are going to need the principle that I'm preaching tonight in the future. You've got to become somebody who lives by your giving. Deonza and I live by our giving. Do you expect a return? Absolutely. Because Jesus says, if I'll do it in secret, that he will reward me openly. I, I, I want to do something tonight. I want, I, want to, I want to move you from a very benign, casual belief system to a supernatural expectancy that is attached to your giving. You see, here's what I know. God will always meet my needs. I, uh, I know the difference between my needs and ministry needs, but my heart doesn't. There are times I want things more for the church than I want for myself. Deons and I have literally over the years seen millions of dollars go right through our hands it I didn't even get to sniff that money I didn't even get to grip it millions of dollars have gone right through our hands because we love the work of God and if we have agonized over things, it has never been the bills that we owe or the personal things that we need. God takes care of that. If we have cried and interceded and fasted over things, it's always been something for the Lord's church. Here's the good news, Pastor. Here's the good news. Those of you that are committed to the house of Jesus Christ, God will meet those needs too as you become a sower and a giver. Not long ago, I walked into my staff in Shreveport, and if you knew our budget at Community Church, we, we are not a, a church with, with wealthy people. We, we are another side of the track Christian school. We are another side of the track church. And so many of our people live by these principles because they've got to get it. They don't, they don't have another means. They can't believe in the system. They've got to believe in a God who is supernatural, who attaches His sovereignty and His glory to our hearts and to the offerings that come from our hearts. So I go into the staff and I said, I just feel like this is what I want to do. And I said, I don't know if God spoke it to me or not, honestly. I'm going to just tell you. I said, but this is, I've just got to tell you, I, I think we need to give the biggest mission offering we've ever given in history. And they said, well, how much? I said, I want to give $500,000 away. And I want to raise it in one day. And I want to give it all away before we leave the church that day. 
and they looked at me silently. It was like, you know, it was, it was like, like Ezekiel when he said, Thou knowest. They were saying, Do you believe we even? It was like, Oh, yeah, Pastor, praise God. They, they were shocked because that was all the money in the world for us $500,000. May I tell you, we didn't raise $500,000. Instead, that day, we raised $823,000 cash. And I brought my pastor out who took care of the money and I put a desk right in the middle of the stage and I asked all the people, stay here, stay here. We're going to count it. They counted it. Took about 45 minutes. They came back, said $823,000. He had a stack of checks. And we had attached percentages if we got $500,000 to all of the gifts and the people that we were giving. He began to write checks and we begin to give it to this missionary. Write checks, give it to that missionary. Write a check, put it in an envelope, send it off to that missionary. We had $820,000, $23,000 more money in cash we'd ever had in the history of our church for 45 minutes. And then it was gone, hallelujah. But here's what I'm going to tell you. We've gone through some tough times since then, but we've paid all our bills. Can somebody say Hallelujah. We have done the things that we needed to do as a church. Hallelujah. It's just because there is something supernatural that is attached to the offering. And we've got to elevate it. We, we've got to go back and, and be like little children. Just, just believing that this is a mystical, wonderful, supernatural thing called the offering. I mean, listen to this last verse. And then... Give, and it shall be given unto you. Stand up, brother. Now, we just fly by these verses. Come here. This is what the Bible says. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to you. I'm going to give. You're going to receive. Okay? Now you go on your way. You go back and sit down. Okay? Now when I give you the signal, I want, I want you to get up. 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 And I want you to get up. And I want you to come down here and act like you're putting something in my hand. This is what happens. So I want you to see the visual aid. Here it is. I give. I give. He goes on his way. Now I wait. Now come, come, please. And this is what happens. Thank you. Thank you. Cha-ching. Thank you. Glory to God. You say, that's not what it says. Read it. I can't get anything else out of it. Maybe you've got a greater revelation. But all I can tell you is this. Giving is mystical. Giving is supernatural. Giving has been given to us as a gift. Just like the commandments were given as a benefit for man. These principles and laws of giving have been given as a benefit for us. And God wants you to enter into that. You say, why are you taking so long? This is just one offering at a, at a camp. Because I want you to go back to your churches. And I want you to tell your pastor, I'm making a new commitment to hear from God in my giving. I want this district 
to become a district that begins to multiply in their giving. I want this camp to be paid off in about a minute. Amen? How many of you think that God can do something like that? Now, here's the things that I've said to you about giving. Number one is this, is that Jesus doesn't discourage you giving because you have a need. No, there is a reward in giving, and He wants you to have it. Number two, it's supernatural. And as you are willing to humble yourself and just to receive this truth as a little child and take the word as it is, then it's going to become a source and resource for you that will be beyond everything you ever dreamed. i uh, I got to give you one more story. And then we're going to receive the offering. I'm going to ask that the ushers please come and take these envelopes. Would you please come and take these envelopes and just bring them over here where I can have them, have access to them. I took my children, my two youngest boys, and my oldest son and daughter-in-law to a wonderful Assembly of God college. Strange thing. We were taking the tour around the college because my older's we're going to go for master's level degrees. The younger undergraduate. I didn't want my sons going to a secular college. I wanted them in one of our schools. Can somebody say amen? We don't have anything against secular colleges if the Lord wills it. My children have gone to Yale, Duke, SMU, LSU, Louisiana Tech. We know all of that. Here's what I will tell you. I'm far more impressed with the Assembly of God product, at least for my family. I am in, Deons and I are in the golf cart at this school, and we get a call from the president. This is what he says. We're going to take care of all your kids. You talk about shouting ground. They're, you're going to do what? We're going to take care of all your kids. We want them here. Wow. Are you, are you talking about with my daughters-in-law? You're talking about five? Five full scholarships? Yeah. I call my mother. I said, Mom. She's a praying woman. I said, Mom, do you know what just happened? I said, they're going to pay for them all. And she starts speaking in tongues and shouting. Hallelujah. You see, Denny. You see, baby. Oh, you see. God never forgets. God never forgets. Glory to God. I said, Mom, what are you even talking about? I said, I, did you hear what I said? What are you talking about, Mom? I said, you don't remember. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you sent two of the young men that you led to Christ off of your football team, one pro and one college, to that very school and paid their way. I said, I never remembered that. He said, yes, you did. And said, your mama thought you were crazy. He said, and now God's come through. Let me tell you, 
that 88-year-old prayer warrior got it. This is supernatural stuff. And this is what God wants to do. Tonight, we're going to do two things. I hope the offering is substantial tonight. But that it, I hope it is. But it's, that's not the issue. The issue is what happens in this altar. Because the altar or the the altar is where offerings happen in the Bible. They happen at the altar. Remember that scripture? If you bring your gift to the and there you decide that your heart's not pure towards someone that someone has ought to give you then leave the and go and make it right why do we come to the altar for the gifts because they're holy to the Lord why are they holy to the Lord do you remember when David had his men break through the line I talked about it a couple of nights ago his men broke through the line and got him that drink and he said, I won't, I will not take this. I won't drink this. Because this, what? This is holy to the Lord. And he poured it out. Listen, he said, it is the price of men's blood. In other words, what they did could have cost them their lives and did cost others lives. That act was that significant. What you've got to understand is that when you bring an offering to the Lord, it represents something. Do we have any high school students that work for an hourly wage here? Any high school students that work for an hourly wage? Come on, come on up here, sir. Right here, come here. How much you get an hour? Go ahead and tell me. $21 an hour? Man, what? Woo! Wow. You shouldn't have let that out, dude. I'm telling you that right now. Come on up here with me. Okay. So what you're telling me is this. How often do you work? Three hours, eight hours a day or what? Eight hours a day. So in eight hours, you may, I'm not good at math, so help me. You either? Oh, it's... What is it? 160. Is he there? Yeah, there she is. 168. Okay. So, would it be fair to say if tonight you gave $168 that you would have brought the price of blood to this altar? Of blood, sweat, and tears. In other words, would it be fair to say that if you brought $168 and put it on this altar that you were giving God one day of your life. Is that true? So your money, in essence, becomes a measure of your life, doesn't it? If a person gives $1,000, even if they're not on an hourly wage, what they're coming to give is the education that it costs them to be able to earn that money. They're, they're coming and giving the blood, sweat, and tears that 
they have to go through every day to deal with people and all of the problems and challenges of the workplace. Money, listen to me, like no other thing in your life represents your time and your talent. You are not just giving money. You're giving the representation of your time, your talent, your education. It was hard to earn that money. And you're bringing it to God. And when you come and bring it to God, God calls it holy. That's why he says, bring it to the altar. And so what I understand is this, is that if the enemy wants to do one thing, it's to handicap the church of Jesus Christ. You step here and help me. It's to handicap the church of Jesus Christ to keep us from being able to reach the people we want to reach. I heard somebody say the other day, oh, there's plenty of money. Money follows vision. You just need more vision. And I looked at him and I said as kindly as I could, that is not the truth. That's a lie. And they said, what do you mean? I said, because Shreveport, Louisiana would look a whole lot different if I had a lot of money. I said, I have enough vision to handle about 25 million this afternoon if you've got that on you. I know the schools that I would help in the city. I know the youth programs that I would start. I know the rehabilitation, rehabilitation centers that I would complete. I know the pregnancy centers that I would establish. I know the buildings that I would build to house those that are on the streets. I know I can go on and on and on. I have it in my spirit. No. The reason the body of Christ is handicapped is because we don't have this one revelation of how important mystical and supernatural my money is. Tonight, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray that God's going to break a bondage. You say, how do our bondages broken? What does the Word of God say? It is the anointing that what? That does what? It's the anointing that breaks the... So when you get an anointed word from God, it will break the yoke when it comes to what you believe about healing. It will break the yoke when it comes to what you believe about deliverance. It will break the yoke about what you believe about the prophetic. It will break the yoke about what you believe about reaching the harvest. And it will break the yoke about what you believe and about what you believe about giving, which is a key to this whole thing. Got to get it done. This is not just to benefit the campground, folks. This is to benefit the district. This is to benefit your church of 55 people. This, we've got to get this. When we get this, everything changes. Everything changes. The offering becomes holy unto the Lord. I've taken a long time, but I intended to do it. I'm not going to preach long. I heard a collective groan from that congregation. Give me that anointing oil. Where's the anointing oil? Here it is. Here it is. This is symbolic of the anointing. And this is what I'm about to do. On these, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to put oil on your hands, sir. And I want you to anoint those envelopes. And I want you to pray, begin to pray out loud, fervently, 
for a revelation that sets the church free in Minnesota and gives us an opposition to the enemy that will cause him to turn and run. I'm going to pray as you pray for these envelopes, anoint every one of them in your basket. Anoint every one of them in your basket, please. And as you anoint them, you are symbolically saying, we will break the yoke of bondage concerning, concerning giving. We will break the yoke of bondage. I need everybody that needs this in your life to stand up. If you didn't get it, it went over your head. We'll believe that God's going to speak to you in another time. But I'm going to ask everybody that got it. I want you to get up on your feet. And I want you to put your hands right toward these men and, as, and women. And as they anoint this, I want you to pray that the yoke will be broken over our giving. And that we will be able to do more for God than we have ever done before. And I want you to lift your voice. I heard that Viking yell last night. And I want you to lift your voices. I know you've got them right out loud. And I want you to pray that God will set this district free in a new way of prosperity and blessing and life. It won't be a few churches that have it. But all of you will be blessed and prospered by the hand of our God. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Make sure every individual envelope gets oil on it. Every one gets oil on it. Every one. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name that we will break free. Lord God, I know that your church has been famous for, for a, a hardening of the categories. And we just get so organized and we just get so... Uh, into the routine of things and sometimes we don't back up and see what has been given to us by your word and by your spirit and Lord God I know we are able and I know the institutions of man have more money but God anointed money has power over a lot of money and Lord God I pray that there will be an anointing upon your people to give and I pray that you will begin to just flow it through their hands flow it through their hands let them all become your stewards let them all become your paymasters. Do a work that will be beyond us in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we trust you. We believe you. Grow our businesses. If you need an anointing to grow your business, I need you to get out of your seat and come and stand right here. I'm going to tell you, God's going to do something tonight. Come and stand right here. I need an anointing to grow my business, Pastor. I need an anointing to grow my business. Come on. Come and stand right here in the front of this place. You'll say, I need an anointing to grow my business. You pastors, I want to just tell you, you better humble yourselves as little children because this is an opportunity that God has given you. If you're saying, Pat, if you're saying, Pastor Denny, I believe you. I believe you. And I know that I've got to have a supernatural breakthrough financially in our area. And you say, I believe it is in the hearts of the people. I want you to come right now. You want to see God move supernaturally in your church and break you through to a harvest. This is our opportunity. Come and stand right here. Come and stand right here. I want every young person every college student, everybody that's got a job that'll say, I want God to use me. I don't want him to pass me by when it comes to giving and it comes to being his servant. Then I want you to step out and I want you to come right here because we're going to believe that God is going to do something practical and yet so supernatural in our lives when it comes to giving. Come on right now, every one of you, every one of you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now this is what I ask God for. I said, God, I pray 
that as we anoint these envelopes symbolically and as people come forward to get an envelope to give tonight, I pray that this will be the breakthrough that they're looking for. Lord God, let it be the breakthrough they're looking for. I have had a Christian school since 1989 that we have had to pray in the payroll every single year. May I tell you, we have never missed a payroll. I remember watching teachers and administrators at my school under my dear mom as they came and brought their paltry paychecks and put them on a table and said, we know this isn't enough to meet the need. We owe $400,000. We're going to shut our doors in May years ago. And we're going in debt $40,000 a month. We have a mission school, you understand. It's not Little Lord Fauntleroy Academy. I watched as my mom agonized and prayed and believed God. And I watched as all of us fell in line to pray and believe God. These people made sacrifices. And I get a call from a guy in Orlando, Florida that I don't even know. He says, I'm an attorney for a woman by the name of Margie Brown. I said, I know Miss Brown. Miss Brown was one of the heiresses of Brown and Root. She had visited our school one time. He said, I've got something to bring you. Do you know what he brought us? He brought us two checks that day. One check for a million dollars. And he said this, Miss Brown wanted you to continue to work with deaf children and handicapped children and autistic children the way that you're working with them. We were meeting at Steak and Ale, and we turned it into Shout and Yell. And then the man reached into his valise, and he pulled out another check. And he said, this check is for $5 million. He said, this is so you can get out of debt and continue to do the work of the Lord. You say, but nothing like that ever happens to me. Oh, my friend, it will but you've got to break through in this area. Now, this is what I'm going to ask. I want everybody in this place, I want you gentlemen now to take your envelopes. And I want everybody that'll say, I'm on board, Pastor. I believe in the supernatural, mystical power that God has placed in giving. That it causes a God in heaven that loves us to notice what we give 
and to reward us. And you'll say, I believe the simple gospel. Then here's what I want you to do. If you'll say, I want a new breakthrough in my giving. I want a new breakthrough and a new revelation. I want it for my people. I want it for those that, that I lead. You'll say, I want a new breakthrough. Then I'm going to ask you right now to lift your hand all over this place. Lift your hand. And I want in the audience and here. And I want you gentlemen to turn and as quickly as you can, I want you to give envelopes with that anointing oil on them to every person that's standing here. Hallelujah. This is something that the devil doesn't want us to go back and pick up. I can tell you that Lucifer is upset tonight because we are going back and picking up one of the tremendous principles of Scripture that frees us to do the things that God has called us to do. Go ahead and take that one right there. You can hand that one out. Thank you, Jesus. Sing, baby. glory passes by I will slip off my shoes on this holy ground tonight hallelujah before I leave this is what I'm going to ask you to do when you get that envelope I want you to take a moment you talk to your wife you talk to your husband and I want you to give right now a gift that is representative of what you feel that God is saying to you about your future. This will not impact everyone. It never does. But there are going to be a few of you that when I come back to this camp when I'm about 80 years old, you're going to come up to me and say, you remember that night? Say, I kind of blew it off. But I have a business that has been a financier for ministry for 10 years. God is going to do things that are going to be amazing tonight. Here's what I want you to do. You go, you, as soon as you get that envelope filled out, I want you to come back to the front here. I want you to bring it to the altar. And I'm going to ask you to just spend a moment. Just hold it up to the Lord. Just hold it up to the Lord. And say, Lord God, here's my gift. And I pray that it will break every financial yoke in my life and the life of my church. And I want you to put it there. And then we are going to rejoice over what God has done tonight. Right now, as soon as you write it, you hold it up to the Lord and say, Lord God, this breaks every financial yoke in my life. Come on right now. Before I leave this mountaintop, thank you, Jesus. I must know, I must know your power. I want only you and your presence in this Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hide me in the cleft of the rock. Hide me in the cleft of the rock. To your glory. Passes by. Passes by. I will slip off my shoes. I will slip off my shoes on this holy on ground this tonight. Holy ground. Hallelujah. Tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Before I leave this mountain top. Thank you, God. I must 
I must know your power. Thank you, Jesus. I want only you and your presence. I want only you and your presence. I want only you and your presence. Bless the name of the Lord as we bring the gifts to the altar. As we bring the gifts to the altar. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, please. Everyone stand all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful for this moment because I believe that a moment like this translates to so much more. We as God's people need to understand this. Whether we give a dime, whether we ever preach again, whether we obey the Great Commission, 
the work and the plan and the purpose of God is going to be realized. I promise you, everything in this book, we've been hearing about it in the book of Revelation, everything's going to be fulfilled, whether you do it or not. This is the glory, however, of the gospel. You get to participate. You have the chance to participate in what God wants to do in the earth, and that's the glory of it. And once you taste that, well, it just changes everything about everything. I'm not going to preach another message, so relax. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give an invitation. You say, well, what kind of invitation are, are you going to give after that? I uh, worked for years with a man by the name of Fred Jordan, who Dianza brought into my life. When we got married, she had worked with him on Skid Row in Los Angeles for many years. I say many. Ten. And he loved to tell stories. And when you get to be my age, like you're around 70, what's wonderful about telling stories is that people are normally polite and they let you tell them again and again and again. It's, it's just a wonderful stage of life. And so Fred was that guy. I probably, listen to this, I probably heard this story 20 times at least. He said, he said there was a little boy in one of his meetings when he was traveling across the country as an evangelist. And uh, Fred was an eccentric guy when he was a young man and came from a good family and uh, he would dress to the nines with a new straw hat. This was back in the 30s. And he would hitchhike. And whoever he rode with, he'd tell them about Jesus. And he would go from city to city, even though he could have afforded the train or the bus or the plane. He, this is the way he traveled. He just wanted to spend his life in evangelism. So he was at this small church, and they were taking up the offering. And there was a tiny boy that was so moved that when they passed this offering plate, the little boy put it on the floor and stepped into the offering plate and said, can I just give myself? Every time Fred told that story, tears would come to his eyes. But here's the fact. There has to be a time in our lives when we come to the conclusion that we know when God has all of us. We are not confused about it, but we know that God has all of us. I'm glad 
that we belong to a group of people that still walk aisles and come to altars. I'm glad that we can still mark those moments. Didn't you absolutely love the offering this morning? I, I was so blessed. The gentleman who stood here and he said, when I was a small boy, right over there, I, I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I got called to preach almost at the same spot. I call those all-in moments. They're all-in moments. Is where you say to God, I am all in. Someone said to me the other day, they said, Denny, you've never made any money in your ministry. said, do you know what you would be making if you said grace over what you say grace of in the corporate world? And I turned to them and I said, dude, I'm not in the corporate world. I'm in the ministry. I said, if I wanted to make money, I could have made it. I said, when I came to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, the joy was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's being consumed with the gospel. That has been the joy of my life. And money has just been one more thing. That's all in. It's just all in. Reminds me of that commercial of spaghetti sauce. Remember that commercial? Prego, spaghetti sauce, Prego. And we say, do you have the, are the bell peppers? And the guy would go, it's all in there. Well, are the, are the, it's all in there. It's all in there. What I want to see tonight is everybody be able to say, it's all in there. I'm all in for Jesus. Now, you know it would be different, this response, if I had an opportunity to just look into your eyes personally and with the discernment of the Holy Spirit ask you, really? Now really, are you all in? Because you know if there are certain areas that you're withholding from Him. You know if there is a struggle right now in an area of, of surrender. But right now, this is what we ask. Are you all in? We're going to end this time together with prayer in these altars by asking this question. Are you sure? You're all in. Are you sure you're all in? Will you bow your heads and shut yourselves away with God? If you say, Pastor Denny, honestly, I'm not all in, but I want to be. I want to be all in. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. I'm not all in, but I want to be all in. I'm not all in. But I want to be all in. I want every person to lift your hand. I want you to come to the front of this place right now. Step right out and come. This is your place of surrender. Come right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not all in, but I want to be all in. I want to be all in. Come on, folks. 
give everybody here a great round of applause as they come into these altars. Isn't this exciting? Isn't this exciting? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. They're still coming. They're still coming. Thank you, Jesus. Still coming. Not all in. But I want to be all in. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask camp workers and pastors come immediately. I want everybody having somebody pray personally with them. These little children especially. These little children especially. I want everybody having someone praying with them. Would you please come? Now, look, here's one more invitation. Listen to me. There's some of you that recently have, excuse me, had a, a reversal. Say, so what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that right now you are struggling like you have never struggled. Something has happened that has dominated the whole environment of your space. It's hard to worship. It's hard to listen. It's, it's just hard to wake up in the morning right now because of this recent thing that has come against you. It could be your children. It could be your workplace. But it's, it's just recently something has dominated your space. You say, Pastor Denny, I don't want to leave this mountaintop until I've had my encounter with God. Until God has helped me. You know what you're doing? You're walking forward saying, I desperately need help right now. And I want you to come right now. I want you to step out. I want you to step out and I want you to come. I've talked about you in the last couple of minutes. And I want you to step out right now. we got pastors here that need to be in this altar right now. Because they're going through the toughest period and season of their life. I want to tell you something, sir. I want to tell you something, ma'am. Everything's going to be all right. God is not going to forsake you. He's going to come through for you. But you need to get right down in here and settle it right here in this area and settle it. Allow God to do a new thing in your life. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the worship band.